This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. I'm Damian Bulwa, and this is Fifth Admission. Over the past couple of weeks, one of the hottest debates in San Francisco has involved an issue that, as of three weeks ago, no one even knew existed. Killer robots. Specifically, should San Francisco police officers, in extreme circumstances, be able to use a robot via remote control to kill a dangerous suspect? More broadly, how does this fit in with the police reform movement, as well as the reality that mass shootings have surged in recent years? Weighing all of this, the city's board of supervisors first approved use of the robots, then reversed itself amid backlash. My guest to talk about what happened and what's next is Chronicle City Hall reporter J.D. Morris. J.D., thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. J.D., why are we now talking about San Francisco police and their ability to kill some suspects with robots? Well, it all goes back to a state law, a new one, Assembly Bill 481, which was actually written by David Chu when he was in the Assembly. He is now our city attorney. This law requires police departments to get approval from local governing bodies, in this case, the Board of Supervisors, over how police departments are allowed to use military-grade weapons. So the SFPD has created a policy that touches on how it is allowed to use various military-grade weapons. And in the course of getting that policy approved by the Board of Supervisors, this issue of whether the police department could use robots to kill certain dangerous suspects in extremely rare cases arose. All right. So... This is something that they're seeking approval now, you say, because of a state law. That means that before this, was there anything stopping them from doing it? No. So the way I understand it, prior to AB 481, you know, in theory, if there was a circumstance where the police wanted to use a robot to kill a dangerous suspect, I think they could have done that. Um, But you know, the, the, there there was no policy that they had to get approved before AB 481. The example that the police department goes back to is Dallas in 2016. The police there used a robot with an explosive, I believe, to kill someone that had already killed several police officers. And so what SFPD has basically been saying is that they want the ability to do the same thing if a similar situation were to arise in San Francisco or if something worse were to happen involving a dangerous and violent suspect who was about to cause, you know, mass death to the public or kill more police officers or something like that. Okay, so that brings us to this decision in San Francisco and the issue kind of exploding into public debate. I want to ask you about how this all went down. And and also, just to preface that, J.D., I, I think a lot of people were surprised 
that when this came up, that it wasn't just voted down. I mean, people have an impression that San Francisco with something like robots that can kill would would be a vote. No, but but that's not how it went. Tell us how it went down. No. So last week, the vote was eight, three on the board of supervisors to approve this policy on first reading. So all ordinances that go through the board of supervisors have to get voted on twice. There's a first reading and then a second reading. And then the law goes into effect like 30 days after that. Second votes are typically formalities, but this time it wasn't. And we can get to that in a second. You know, after the first vote, though, you saw quite a lot of criticism from, you know, the three progressive supervisors who voted against this and from other groups, other community members and organizations that were saying sort of exactly what you just said, that they felt that, you know, allowing law enforcement to kill someone with a robot was counter to San Francisco's progressive ideals and that, you know, there was a lot of fear that this kind of power could be abused. I heard a lot of people say, if you give someone a tool, it begs to be used, you know, despite what the police department was saying about how they wanted to reserve this for very rare situations. But what I think you saw on the other side in that first vote was sort of an acknowledgement about, you know, what the police leadership was saying in terms of this was a tool that they wanted to have, an ability that they wanted to be able to exercise in the event that San Francisco were to experience something really extreme, like the Las Vegas shooting, like the Dallas police shooting, where you had a suspect who was armed and dangerous and the police would have difficulty subduing that suspect without having more police officers die or something like that, that this was an option. Or, or even entering the room. Have. Correct. That this was an option that they wanted to have in, in those kinds of circumstances. And so I think initially, you know, a, a majority of the board really sympathized with, with that kind of argument. And, you know, they felt that they had put enough guardrails on it at first, at least. All right. So correct. It was Shimon Walton, Dean Preston and Hillary Ronan. Correct. Those are the, the three votes who voted against they, it on first reading. Correct. And then it, it explodes. And then what happens next? Well, you know, there was sort of a public outcry, some national media attention. I think this was on at least some of the late shows as well. And just sort of a, a lot of criticism from a lot of different people who were surprised that this, that this was something that San Francisco would approve at all. Just sort of that sense of San Francisco signing off on a robot killing people was something that did not jive with a lot of different people. And then on Monday, Dean Preston, Hillary Ronan, and Board of Supervisors President Shimon Walton featured at a rally on the steps of City Hall with a lot of other people who were opposed to this policy where they were calling on their colleagues to take the very rare step of changing their minds on second reading. The three supervisors who had opposed it were trying to seize on the outcry to say, rest of our colleagues, we hope that you change your minds before this goes into effect. And Supervisor Gordon Marr came out and said that he he was prepared to vote it down, that he was you know, going to change his vote on second reading. That was sort of the first step that we saw that said maybe something's afoot. Right. 
But then also Supervisor Preston had sent a letter to Mayor London Breed and the chief of police, Bill Scott, saying that, you know, he thought that San Francisco had not complied with public noticing requirements of AB 481, the state law that required this policy to be submitted in the first place, which required 30 days advance notice before this stuff went to a hearing. Um, And he said that, you know, because of the timing of when this provision about killer robots was added, that it had not, you know, had the full 30 days notice, the city attorney's office came out and said that the policy had complied with that public notice requirement. But the city attorney's office did say that if the board wanted to, it could take out the deadly robot provision of the policy, send that back to committee, and just pass the rest of the policy, which touches on a lot of other things beyond just killer robots. And that's basically what happened. All right. So it's, you said an an 8-3 vote in the other direction. Correct. So the supervisor Aaron Peskin made a motion to remove the killer robots provision from the policy send that back to the rules committee, which he chairs and have the rules committee, like continue to flesh out and vet this issue of killer robots and when the police should be allowed to use them and then pass the rest of the policy. For now, they have decided that the policy has to prohibit robots from being allowed to kill suspects Because if the policy was silent on that, then it would be allowed and they don't want it to be allowed without, you know, vetting the issue more. All right. I want to ask you what comes next, but I also have other questions. Let's take a quick break, though. We'll be right back on Fifth and Mission with J.D. Morris. You're listening to Fifth and Mission. You can support the newsroom that creates this podcast by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Welcome back to Fifth and Mission. I'm Damian Bulba, joined by Chronicle reporter J.D. Morris. We're talking about the debate in San Francisco over whether to allow police to use, in extreme cases, a robot to kill a suspect. I want to ask you what comes next in this debate, JD. But first, this happens amid a much larger debate in San Francisco over police use of force, over policing. Help us put it in that context. Sure. So most recently, the police department had to get approval for a different kind of policy about surveillance and whether they could access live video feeds from privately owned security cameras on people's homes and businesses if a homeowner or a business owner wanted the police to be able to look at their live feeds without having to get a warrant first. So that was approved before. And that was also pretty controversial, you know, from some of the same people who did not like this killer robot policy. But You didn't see it the same kind of reversal or anything like that in in this scenario. However, you know, I will say just across the bay in Oakland, the Oakland Police Department was considering asking for similar authorization for killer robots. uh, But they eventually pulled that back after a lot of criticism there. And J.D., again, we saw kind of a split among the different camps in the city, uh, among some progressives and moderates over law enforcement and the people that ultimately wanted to push this through and give police 
this ability were those that are more aligned with with Mayor Breed's camp, the more moderate camp. Yeah. So the second vote that amended the policy to temporarily at least prohibit police from killing any suspect with a robot were supervisors Catherine Stephanie, Matt Dorsey, and Raphael Mandelman. And on on this issue, at least, those three certainly have been a bit more moderate than their colleagues and more supportive of the police department. And obviously, you know, you, you talked about the argument that that police, this is a time of police accountability, not of perhaps expanding their powers. But I want to play devil's advocate here. I mean, what about a situation like Las Vegas or what about a situation like in Oakland in 2009? Many people will remember that four police officers in Oakland were were killed by a man, two at initial traffic stop, and then two more after they entered to try to apprehend him inside a building where he had fled to. I mean, are, are these the types of situations and what did police chief Scott say about them? Those are the kind of situations I think that the police department has been talking about here when they've said that they want to send in a robot, you know, potentially armed with an explosive device, right? They're not talking about a a robot with a gun. And they're also talking about a a remote controlled robot, not something that operates, you know, without any human control or anything like that. After the vote, the police chief, you know, issued a statement saying that Anyone who thinks that San Francisco is immune from active shooter or other mass casualty incidents is wrong and that that was why they wanted to put this forward. He said, to quote, uh, no policy can anticipate every conceivable situation or exceptional circumstance which officers may face. We must be prepared and have the ability to respond appropriately. We cannot be limited in how we are able to respond if and when the worst case scenario occurs in San Francisco. He also said that he felt that the story had become distorted and the narrative around this was a distraction from the real issue, which he described as having the tools necessary to prevent loss of innocent lives in an active shooter or mass casualty incident. Speaking of those tools, was San Francisco prepared to buy this type of robot? They already have them. So this was not about acquiring some sort of Terminator-style technology or, or, or some sort of robot that had been specifically designed to kill people. I understand they were talking about the ability to use robots that they already have, some of which are 11 or 12 years old, to potentially outfit one of those with an um, explosive device. But San Francisco had never done this before, correct? Correct. So what happens now? Is this proposal coming back? Is it over? We'll have to see. I mean, the way that it is right now, the whole question of killer robots and whether police should be allowed to attach an explosive to a robot and then send it in to kill a mass shooter or another kind of violent suspect, that whole question has officially been sent back to the Rules Committee. And it was certainly the intent that the Rules Committee would continue to work on it and bring it back to the full board for a vote at a later date. It's possible that that might not happen, though, if the Rules Committee can't agree on a new version of the policy. So that's three supervisors on that committee, and two of them, at least, would need to send it on to the rest of the board. So... 
we'll, we'll have to see what happens with that. J.D. Morris, thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thanks to my guest today. He's Chronicle reporter J.D. Morris. Thanks also to King Kaufman for producing this episode. And thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>